Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Getting Close with Mike Marback podcast. It has been a little while since the last one, so I'm pretty happy to be able to uh, get this uh, get this up again. Uh, that's what she said. I apologize for that. That is not the level of comedy that I aim to start this podcast with that is inappropriate, and I would very much like to be much more classy, much more classy Freddie Blassie. That is an old wrestler. Look him up, folks. If you listened to the last podcast, then you have been informed that this, the Getting Close podcast, now has a sponsor. That's right, folks. I can actually make some money off of this in some way, shape, or form. And that way, shape, and form is audible.com. That's right, folks. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Audible is now offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash close. That's audibletrial.com slash G-E-T-T-I-N-C-L-O-S-E. They have over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, what's out right now? Lots of books. I got to start reading more. Actually, I don't have to read more. I can download and listen to it. Uh, maybe I'll download The Hunger Games. I saw that one. I saw the first movie, but it'll probably be... I don't really want to wait to know what happens to Cat. Cat! Uh, see what her deal is. Uh, so maybe I will do that. I will download the other Hunger Games books and listen to them and not have to do anything. I can do other things. I could wash the dishes as I'm listening to the crazy goings-on of Cat in the Hunger Games world. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I will soon know what I'm talking about after I download and listen to my free audiobook. Uh, to download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash close. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash close for your free audiobook. If you want to support me, support this podcast, and show how much you really care, you'll do that for me and for yourself because uh, you get... You get a pretty good deal out of it. 30 days and a free audiobook. Check it out. Uh, what's happening right now? We are in the thick of the fringe. Yep, the Philly Fringe and Live Arts Festival has once again descended upon the arts community like a swarm of Jehovah's on a South Philly block on Saturday morning. Uh, I don't know if that's appropriate either. It's also kind of uh, Dennis Millery, uh, like... Like a swarm of Jehovah's on a South Philly block on Saturday morning. Babe. Once again, the terrible Dennis Miller impression rears its ugly head on the Getting Close podcast. Yeah, Fringe is here, which means so is all the begging. See my show, do tech for my show, do you have space for my show, my show, my show, my show, my show, my show, my show. Facebook invites out the wazoo. Is it out the wazoo or up the wazoo? I don't know, I guess that depends on what your definition of wazoo is. I think it's a butt. Anyway, uh, yeah, Fringe is a headache every year, but every year it always proves to be worth it. I love this time of year as much as I complain about it before, during, and usually after. Uh, This year it's it's about halfway over, and it seems as if everything is up. Uh, The show quality seems to be up all around, uh, and attendance, all the houses uh, for each uh, show that I've seen has been pretty, pretty great. Pretty, pretty, pretty great. Uh, I was able to catch and be a part of the Grimaccio Variety Hour, 
with Jason Grimley and Ralph Andracchio. Andracchio. Uh, it had singing. It had sketches. It had an awesome live band. Uh, it had live dancers. And these dancers, fantastic. Beautiful girls and strong. Like, really strong. You should have seen the arms on some of these girls. On all of these girls. I'll end that there before it gets weird. Gets weird? I think it already has. Moving on. I was in two of their shows in a sort of crossover event, much like they do in the old sitcom days or comic book world. I brought my Johnny Carson from Here's Johnny to the Gurumachio Variety Hour. I did Karnak with Bert, Bert Archer from, uh, from Asteroid. Uh, some old bits, some new ones. One of my favorites, though, was uh, one I wrote pretty much right before the show, uh, and that was um, uh, Karnak gets the envelope from Ed, puts it up to his head, tries to guess what it is, takes a second, and says, San Diego. And then Ed repeats, San Diego. Then he kind of opens up the envelope, pulls out the card inside, and reads the question, What happens to your waffle when you eat it at the beach? San Diego. Yep. Pretty dumb. Uh, but that's the uh, that's the, the point of the, the whole thing, that they're corny. What else did I see? I saw the Fit Sketch Review. That was pretty great. Proud of uh, my fellow asteroids in there, Jess, Luke, and Brent. Uh, everyone else, also fantastic. Uh, I'm just singling them out because they are part of my immediate family uh, in improv. Anywho... Uh, let's see, what else did I see? I saw Promania, opening that at Promania, that was fun. Um, I hope this week to get out of my little fit bubble and see some other things, particularly Dangerous Fools. Uh-oh! Segue alert! Yeah, Dangerous Fools, the guests on this podcast, pretty smooth. It would have been much smoother if I didn't call it out. Uh, let's see, Thomas Fowler and Mary Carpenter. Mary has been a staple of the Philly improv world for a good while, and Thomas has had his beginnings, his improv beginnings here in Philly before moving off to L.A. Uh, they're both fantastic improvisers and have five shows coming up starting this Monday. Uh, when is it? Monday, September 17th through Friday, September 21st. Uh, the shows take place at the Comedy Sports Theater at the Adrian, 2030 Sansom, Go to ComedySportsPhilly.com uh, for any other info. Uh, we talk about how they got into improv, their general improv philosophies, ideas on short form and long form, and the, the strengths and weaknesses of, of both. Um, we talk about not being funny, trying not to be funny in, in scenes, and, and acting and reacting, something that... Uh, I push a lot, a lot, uh, and I think it's a lot of, um, they say a lot of stuff that I think that any improviser could really stand to hear, uh, regardless of, of level, because uh, if you're just starting out, it's really good tips. If you've been improvising for a while, it's uh, a lot of stuff that you should, uh, should think about. Um, so it's a really great conversation, so let's get to it. Uh, please listen as I get close with Dangerous Fools. Hey, guys. Hey, <laughs> How are we doing? Uh, good. Uh, thank you so much for, for doing this. Oh, thank for you. Me. Thanks, for uh, thanks Kevin. Kevin kind of set the, the whole thing up for me, which is, which yes. is great. Uh, but the, the guests on the Getting Close podcast, which is what it's called, mm-hmm. Mary Carpenter and Thomas Fowler of Dangerous Fools, uh, they have a few shows coming up this week. 
Uh, today is Sunday, and this should be up Monday, if not later tonight, depending on when I get home tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for doing it. The way these usually go is I ask a lot of questions, and we talk until there's a natural end or until you have to go. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have to go at four. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I get started. I go into backgrounds of people, so let's start with uh, you, Mary. Um, okay. How did you get into comedy? Um, well, my sisters will tell you that I used to sit watching the Carol Burnett show mm-hmm. and looking at the screen and saying, I want to do that when I grow up. Yeah. So I wasn't into comedy then, <laughs> per se, <laughs> except for the generous laughter of people when I would do imitations. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was mostly in college. Uh, I went to Northwestern and I did improv there at the encouragement of my acting teacher. Mm-hmm. Did a show called The Meow Show, which is a review uh, sketch and improv show out there. Okay. Um, and uh, just sort of went on from there. Uh, continued doing improv and acting together. And, and uh, it was funny, when I moved back to Philadelphia, I um, thought, I saw the this audition form for comedy sports at the, what was then called the Tag P Auditions, where you auditioned for all these theaters in the city. Mm-hmm. And I consciously decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I've done a lot of improv in my life, I'm not going to do that. And I went up and did my auditions, and they were one of the people that called me from the auditions from there, and I was like, all right, I'll go. And uh, lo and behold, 20 years later. Still still doing it, and here we are. Yeah. Uh, you said you would watch Howard Burnett's show and um, do... Imp- did you do impressions did of, of those? No, I'd have to say my one and only impression at that age was James Cagney. And I don't know how, because <laughs> I didn't really see many James Cagney movies, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the one people would generously laugh at it, just so. They okay. wouldn't crush a girl's spirit. I'm not going to ask you to do any now, but Thank are you. there ones that you do now? I'm not really an impressionist at all. No? No, not even remotely. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, Thomas. Yes? How did you get into uh, comedy? Or uh, find improv? Maybe that's a... To improv? Yeah. Yeah, that seems more... That's going to cut out my Carol Burnett story. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. I used to love Tim Conway. Oh, yeah. Um, I got into improv specifically from uh, a friend of mine. I was in college, and it was like, I think, my sophomore year. And I was in stage combat with a buddy of mine who I used to joke around. Like, him and I would just kind of go back and forth. And he was in comedy sports. And uh, he was like, you should audition for, for comedy sports. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, that sounds like... They kind of explained to me sort of basically what it was, and I was like, yeah, let me know when they're having auditions for it. So I I went and uh, ended up getting into the group and then started sort of doing improv then. Uh, then went to New York and saw uh, ASCAT for the first time. Mm-hmm. I kind of had my mind blown about long form, about it being a longer... Like, they had a long form, that you could do something that wasn't just, like, a quick game. Yeah. And then saw, was kind of mesmerized by that, and then came back to Philly, and, and a guy that had learned long form started teaching us how to do it. And then I went to Chicago and watched Second City, IO, and Annoyance. I was there for, like, a week or something. Mm-hmm. And then really debated moving there, and then was talked out of it by uh, how cold it was. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like that it was yeah. just people were like, it gets so cold. And I was yeah. like, then I'm not going to move here. And then ended up moving to LA, getting involved at like IO out there, and then did UCB and uh, Second City. But when I was doing Second City at first, it was just a conservatory there. Like it wasn't, they weren't really performing. Second City in LA? In LA. It was just kind of like, you go through classes and then you do your class show and then that's it. Yeah. It's done. There's no, and now they actually have like some programming and stuff. Okay. But, so it was just a training Anyway. Yeah, when I was doing it, it was just it was just kind of a training okay. center. And where did you go to college? Uh, University of the Arts. Oh, so yeah, okay. yeah so you're school. from Philly. Uh, yeah, I went to school in Philly and then lived here for a while uh, afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and your first experience was um, outside of college, comedy sports? Uh, comedy sports was my first time doing... Yeah, I would say it was my first time doing improv. Like Maybe in high school we kind of improvised a play, but... We just did stuff and then sort of wrote it down, but I don't know if I would even consider that that improv. Okay. But, yeah, my first experience was... No, honestly, first experience doing improv is probably doing bits and stuff with, with friends. Yeah. Like in college. Like, that's really... That'll do it. Yeah, kind of like the starting point. Of like, you're acting stupid and there's are yeah. stuff and you're kind of just, you just keep spinning. Yeah, and then you go to training center and like, this is what I've been doing for this. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's weird. It's weird when you do it with your friends... What's funny is that you're sometimes more playful than you are when you're doing it on stage. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're not as worried about doing the right thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're just worried about like having fun and like being silly. And then uh, then you go on stage and you just ruin that for yourself. <laughs> you, just, you just destroy it. Why do you think that happens? Uh, because you you worry. I mean. It's hard for me to kind of generalize for everybody else, but I'm you. just saying, like, in my head, what I think may happen to people is that you really start to worry about that audience. Yep. Like, you worry about, oh, are they, uh, do they think I'm funny? Do they like me? Do they think I'm a good improviser? Are there people out there that I know? And, like, even when all that's spinning, you're, mm -hmm. already, you're already out of it. But, like, when you're just playing with your, your friends... There's really no pressure, but right. you just feel goofy. You're like, we're just making each other laugh. Like, we're just having fun. Mm -hmm. And that's the most contagious thing, I think, when somebody watches a show is when they see two people that are just having a good time. Yeah. Because then you, you're like, you like what's going on, but then also you kind of want to be a part of it. Maybe that harkens back to when you might have done fun stuff with your friends. You're like, oh, I remember fun. And, then, <laughs> and now that's, that's gone out of my life. Sorry. Because I have... <laughs> Suffer, <laughs> remember fun. <laughs> I remember that. But it is like you. It's like you look at it and you go, "Oh, okay, that's that's good times." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think can help create that on stage, or try to get that on stage, or I guess it just maybe just happens on stage. No, oh, I. I remember once being in an improv show, not comedy sports, something else, and feeling a lot of pressure. Being like, oh, I'm not pulling my weight, I'm not being funny, I'm not doing this. And, and just really struggling. And, and even though a lot of these people I'd worked with before in a different format, you're all of a sudden thrust into this new thing and everything feels new and weird and crunchy. And and uh, I remember consciously thinking at one point, a eureka moment, like, oh, wait a minute, everybody else on stage is really, really funny. So I don't need to be funny. I can really just do all the other stuff, like, you know, bring in the platform and do that or whatever and as soon as I let go of that uh, need to be funny or to be liked or to be the popular person on stage 
oh my god, it was so much more fun. Doesn't mean I don't still struggle with it sometimes. I think yeah. every every improviser does, and you go through cycles. But when I remind myself of that, I'm like, oh right, everybody else is really funny. It doesn't really matter, you know. And I'm always telling my students the same thing. It's like if because to me, it's truly an ensemble thing. And when you really can get over that that sense of like needing to be the most popular and needing to be the one that the audience is talking about when they leave. Yeah. I'm always telling my students, you know, uh, you know, Thomas might get the laugh, but the only reason he got that laugh is because he laid in this and then I laid in this and then he laid in this and I laid in this. So the laugh doesn't belong to him. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the audience. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, who are some of your um, influences in in comedy it's kind of bouncing around I've got a few other follow ups to the other thing but I've already let that out of my mouth influences in comedy comedy improv specifically it could be <clears throat> anything <clears throat> that maybe helped to get you where you are as far as uh, just comic idols you, you mentioned Carol Burnett liking her yeah Lily Tomlin was a big one for yeah. me too yeah, he's cool. yeah. Um, say, yeah. Tim Conway for me uh what was his name? Bob uh, Bob Newhart. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, like I can re- still remember his the first time I saw his, the not the driving instructor, but the 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 phone the call. The bus one. No, the one was on a. The uh, Lincoln one. It was on a phone call. Yeah, a lot of his were like that. Yeah, yeah but it was like the I don't first day of the job of the Empire State Building security guard. Yeah, I think it was that. <laughs> it was just like I just was like that's brilliant because it, yeah. it was so sort of simple. Yeah. To me, that I thought that was great. yeah, he played it. Yeah, he was awesome. The I mean, that one in particular was uh, he's on the phone. He's the security guard. The first day, his first day as a security guard of the Empire State Building, and that day happens to be the day that King Kong. <laughs> yeah, he's just like <laughs> I, just wanna... I have not heard that. Yeah, one. but he's so just. Yeah. there's a subtlety to it. Yeah, that the, just... the stammering, the timing, everything yeah. is fantastic. It's yeah, like a real guy on the phone. Yeah, uh, I love that. Hopping back to, to improv, because yes. uh, I didn't mean to get away from that so fast. Um, how did you two sort of find each other and start performing? I, well, that was comedy sports. I auditioned for comedy sports, and Mary was already in comedy sports. I still remember his audition. He's so great. That's <laughs> hilarious. She says that. It was. <laughs> no, no, but I know, but it's just, it's funny. What did the audition consist of? Uh, well, a bunch of different things, but there's one thing that really, like, at that point in comedy sports, the group was still small enough that everybody had to come to callbacks, and everybody had to agree on everybody that we accepted. So it was, could sometimes be a long, arduous process, and, and uh, I remember he did a scene, and there was, you know, a bunch of prompts of scenes, and this scene was, uh, you know, somebody, uh, you're on a ledge, and you're trying to talk down somebody who's trying to commit suicide. And Thomas was the one committing suicide. And he, so he was on the ledge, and I forget the exact wording of it, but, like, immediately he, like, had a gun, had a handful of pills, and there was something else. So he wasn't just on a ledge to commit suicide. He had all of it there, and I was just like, oh, yes, please. You know, and from that moment, I was like, yeah, he's, he's got to be in it. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's when you, you met. Uh, when did you actually start? Um, well, you, you started performing in, to get, together. Oh, that. What well, about that? Did, in comedy sports, like we performed, like we did shows together because, like you, it's a rotating cast right. of people, but we would gotcha. do do shows together. But we didn't do our first improv show, two person show until I left. Actually, left until I actually moved to LA, um, and I remember talking about it. I 
think Mary had come out to Los Angeles. Yeah, there was a comedy sports oh, yeah, tournament that's what there. I was, she had a comedy sports tournament, and I had told my girlfriend at the time, I had I'd always liked Mary's improv. Like, I always thought that she was really good. And I had told my girlfriend at the time that I wanted to do a show with her, and then she was like, well, why don't you tell her? Why don't you open <laughs> your mouth? me away, because I was like, what? She was like, why don't you use communication? Because if you don't, our relationship will end at some point. <laughs> and she was so right. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. And it did. But we... Uh, so I, I told Mary, I remember, like, and I remember that actually. Sitting, I was dropping you off yep. at your place at Santa Cruz. I was like, "Would you be interested in doing a show, a two-person show?" And I was shocked that he wanted to work with me because I felt the same way about him. I always thought he was just a genius, just <laughs> sort of innately inspired. What did you see in him that you really liked about uh, him, the way he performs? Um, just so fully committed, like an originality that's not um, selfishly clever. You know how somebody can be, a lot of people on stage can be like, right. oh, look how clever I am. Not like that, just really like his, he was always so into the moment and so into whatever was going on that, but it was completely original coming from his mind. Um, d- devoted to improv and, and uh, I guess the biggest thing for me is he just wasn't selfish on stage. He was playful. He was, it never felt like work. It never felt like I, I you know, had to be like, okay, now we have to build the platform, now we have to do this. And it was just like, he's here, let's go, let's, yeah. you know, watching him and working with him was just, it was joyous. There was always a joy to what he did. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Thomas, is there anything, what, what specifically about Mary do you, uh, uh, do you like playing with? It was actually a lot of what she just said, sort of the same <laughs> thing of like, yeah. I would just, I could just remember watching her before and, um, like, for me, too, like, improv is a very sort of male, white male kind of run business. And I love women. <coughs> that came out yeah. weird. <laughs> no, no, but I was saying, like, that was, that was even a thing of, like, um, when, you see, when you see somebody in something that's driven by, like, one type of person, you see somebody that kind of surpasses those people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's even super inspiring. You're like, oh, wow, like that. You're not going to be con- confined to whatever rules somebody says of being like, look, we're going we're gonna to be the best at this, and you can play with us, but just know that we're going to be. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm going to kind of do my thing, and we'll be fine. And I just, yeah, I just, I just love that. I just always thought she was committed and funny and... She played in a way that I, I like, where I just it being real and like having things affect her emotionally. Yeah. Which always, that's, everybody likes different stuff. Like, I like goofy improv sometimes too and all that, but my, my the thing that I like the most is when people are, are real. Yeah. Like, I always use the example of like, someone's playing a dinosaur, but it's like a dinosaur with like real dinosaur problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm like, that's fine. Your dinosaurs are great, but you, you're living in that world now. And yeah. I, I like that. And she, don't just make the raptor sound. Yeah, yeah. Like, but she does, she did, she'd always kind of, she's always, always done that. So, that was yeah. what kind of drew me. Okay. I got a few things I'll bounce around. Sure. Uh, to that point, uh, playing the emotion 
playing like the acting, acting in scenes. Yes. Uh, so that's one of the more important things to you in a scene? To me, yes. Okay. To me, the the funnier... The, thing, the, the reason it'll be funnier to me is because of how serious somebody is. Yeah. Like, I think of, I think of a scene where... Somebody had told me about a scene where a guy... Because you always like see a lot of scenes where a guy shoots somebody on stage. It's like, oh, man, I can't believe you shot me. And this yeah. one guy shot another guy who then just <laughs> rolled around for a good minute and a half. And just being like, oh. Like, and yeah. I was like, that, to yeah. me, is very funny. Yeah. yeah. And I... There was like one scene I saw, which still like makes me laugh, where a guy was sitting there. Like there was three guys on stage. Like one guy is kind of sitting at like this fake bar having a drink, and the other two guys are sitting there. And the one guy kicks the chair, and the chair goes and it hits, it hits the other guy, and the guy turns and he's like, he's like, what? You 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 send a chair to fight a man? Like and he just started like, but he was so angry at this chair. Yeah. And he had so much. It was like, like it, like it just made me laugh because he really just started like fighting, fighting the chair, fighting the chair. <laughs> yeah. And that to me, I was like, brilliant, yeah. brilliant, because you're committed to it. Yeah. Like you're committed. And you're like you're taking it serious. I, I kind of hate when I watch improv now and you just see people being flipped. Yeah, there's just this, like, it's all, like, winks to the audience. It's all, like, (laughs) we all know this is a stage, right? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do know it's a stage. I do this thing in class, because I'm I'm also very much in that school of thought of just act. Yeah. Yeah, Please act. Act act the moment. Act normal. How would you normally act in this situation? Sure. Uh, And I do this thing in every class that I teach, and... They probably don't listen to this because uh, I'm doing it now. But uh, I start a class. Who here is an actor? And then you get like one or two people raise their hand. And I just keep asking until everybody raises their hand right. just to get the point across. Like, yes, you, you please. Are. As soon as you realize that you are an actor, you're going to be a better improviser. Mm-hmm. You're going to, I mean, because I think, sure. it, and you can disagree, just when you react, you're discovering rather than inventing yep. things, which leads to a lot less of... I think the inverse is true too. Once you become a better improviser, you become a better actor Mm -hmm. because you're much more in the moment, much more able to respond because you're used to doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. All right. So you two uh, saw each other like the way each other played on stage. Yes. You communicated the idea that you should do. I used words. Yes. You used words. (laughs) (laughs) A duo. Yes. Uh, What was the where and when was the first show? If you remember. Two thousand four. Oh, it's like seven years. Two thousand. Oh wow. Yeah, two thousand four. So yeah, so seven or eight years ago, I, I guess. And that first year, we were. Uh, he said the best time for me is the fringe because it's a short period of time and it doesn't you know interfere with a lot of stuff that's already going on in LA. Yeah. Um, and I think that year, you know, because it's always so much fun finding space for the fringe. Um, we actually performed in two different spaces. Um, one was a tiny, tiny space where we performed actually with Rare Bird Show. And uh, then we did a couple shows at the second stage um, at the Adrian. Okay. I think that was the first year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was shows at the, in that hotel. Yeah, Philadelphia Hotel. Meeting room. Like yeah. very thin <laughs> meeting room. Then at the, the Adrian. Okay. And how did the first shows go? Well, hold on one second. How long had you both been improvising up to this point? 2004 was the first one we said. 
Oh, no, improvising, like... Separately. Separately? Yeah. Oh, since 90... Me, probably since 88, so... Yeah, I'd say since 90... 16 years? 93? Like, when do... Yeah. Like, seriously, yeah, seriously for me, it would okay. have been like for 12 years. But, a couple yeah. years under your belts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Well, how was the, the first shows? It was, uh, it was good. They were fun. Yeah, we had a good time. Like, I don't... They... Those shows were all good enough where at the end of it, it was like, so, next again next year? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Which is so funny because, you know, being uh, me, I always was constantly like, man, I have to run so fast just to keep up with him. And um, was shocked when he wanted to do it again. Not that I thought I was, like, horrible or anything, but I was like, wow, there's, like, anybody he could perform with once. Mm. All right, yeah, yeah, let's do it again. As, as long as you keep coming out, I'll keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I loved doing it. I okay. mean, I loved doing it then, and it's, yeah, it's great. Okay. It's great. Uh, the shows that you have coming up uh, this week, like I said, today's Sunday, you do Monday through Friday. Yes. You just got in town yesterday, right? Yes. Uh, which leaves little to no time to practice. Uh, there, there won't be. It's improv. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't practice. Like, it's so that, that's 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 mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Um, how do you find it hard to connect uh, when you're on stage? Let me just say that it doesn't seem like you do at all. <laughs> okay. It looks like you, you guys are fantastic on stage. Thank but you. is there anything you do beforehand to uh, connect and catch up? Yeah. Do, yeah, I think that's what we do. We just catch up. I, I think of. Uh, See so, you know, like uh, Dave Pasquese mm-hmm. and TJ. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, like they're they're great. And like I remember watching their documentary, and they would kind of just hang out, and they would just they would just talk. Like they don't even take a suggestion. Like they would just talk yeah. in the back, and they'd kind of go on stage. And I think the first year we rehearsed because we didn't know even what form. Like we're like, so what are we gonna? It's like let's figure out how we're going to do this because you know, there's definitely a bunch of different ways to take it yeah. and then I think we figured it out and then after that it was there was no more sort of rehearsing it was just you usually go out to dinner like, yeah. the first time or just meet at the theater like half hour 45 minutes before and dude just sort of talk about the day and yeah catch yeah. up yeah. Tell, tell what about I... immediately before the show is there anything that you do uh but you're not. Ooh, I, I, I don't picture you zip zap zapping. Yeah, we usually hug. Okay. Yeah. Has the show? Is it the seventh year or so? You said seventh or eighth. I think it's seventh. Has the show changed at all over those seven years, as far as uh, the format that you do, the, um, the fact that you don't do a format? Is there anything like that? No. I think it's lot. Yeah, kind of locked into just getting a suggestion. Because before it was like, let's get a... I think we would tell a story, like a real story. Yeah, we'd tell a real story and then get a suggestion from the audience, tell a story. So it was almost a little bit like Armando-ish in a way. Okay. Um, And we just started saying, like Thomas would come out and say, give me a word from the English language. (laughs) Which was great. And then we would just say, all right, cool. And then we'd go. And then we would just kind of go from there. Okay. But that seems to be the the way that it is now. Yeah. It's just like a word. And then, uh, and then go. And I, yeah, I also felt like that was another thing from TJ and Dave that they were just. I think they get a word and they 
Oh no, they actually did. They, they don't. Yeah, they they got the like, yeah, yeah. So, like they like trust, trust us. us. Everything's it's all improvised. made up. And yeah. that I was like, yeah, maybe we don't need all these stories. Right. Like a word is uh, for me part of it. I still feel like an audience wants a little bit of, something, yeah, of participation, yeah, even if it's just a word, yeah. Um, but that's just me. Like they they do it their way, and I think that's that's great. I I just think that that little tiny thing is enough to kind of. What is that? What is it? Satiate. <laughs> I don't think they're that. But it's just enough. They're like, yeah. they're like, yes, this is a show. Right. <laughs> this is improv because okay. I heard someone say I, something. Yeah. From the audience. Yeah. yeah, they said pizza and then they and then said they pizza up there. Back, right. At some point, they said pizza. <laughs> pizza. Yeah. <laughs> right. It is improv. It is not a scripted show. Yeah. Okay. Um, how would you describe each of your improv philosophies I mean we talked about the the acting and the emotional reactions is there anything because uh, I think it's Jewel Bernard if you know who she is she says um, I think it's I think it's her uh, everybody's their own school of improv um, sure. I'm attributing that to her um, what is your what, what's your school philosophy oh, um, my school philosophy wow uh a lot of it based on what we said previously that yeah. to me it's much more interesting if if it's about connection like real honest connection whether that's funny or serious or whatever it is but that it's it's uh, that's when it's most exciting for me was there's an actual connection going on on stage that sort of electricity that happens that can never be reproduced yeah. in another moment but that two people are actually sort of surprising each other but not in a like I'm going to surprise you Mike it's just like I'm in that moment trusting my instinct not judging it not crafting it not storytelling not all of this stuff but you know trusting that whatever it is we build will lead to something that um, is is a story or the audience is actually filling in those blanks for you anyway Um, so I would have to say for me the biggest one is 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 connecting and, and playfulness like the audience doesn't want to see you work; they want to see yeah. you play. Yeah. You know, and it it takes a long time, you know, when you're a beginning improviser to sort of balance that, you know, the mastery of skills so that you don't have to think about playing the scales on your piano. You can just go out and play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even I think seasoned improvisers, I think everybody goes through hills and valleys where you'll go through a rut. And you're like, oh, this feels like work. Oh, I can't. Oh. And then you know you burst out you know, to a, a different place, which is good and important. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think the connection and, and the playfulness is is awesome. Is there anything you, you do to kind of get there? Uh, I always try and make the scene about the other person. Okay. It's the best piece of acting advice I ever got when I was in theater, uh, was in acting school, is... Um, don't worry so much about... And, you know, I think I've been doing it long enough. I don't really... I Like I said before, I could care less if the audience likes me at the end of a show or if they think yeah. that I'm funny or clever or anything yeah. like that. I just... I'm not as interested in that as when I, I was younger. It's not, you know, it's not going to make my life better if somebody's like, you're hilarious. Great, awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Um, so, uh, for me, it's about making the scene about the other person, you know, and what do I as a character want from that person? What do I... Uh, you know, what have they done that's changed what I want? How have they altered me? How have they, you know, allowing yourself to um, to 
really focus on them and how they're affecting you and not choosing how they affect you but just accepting it like yeah. they say something and you know whatever your response is being honest about what that response is even if it's like you can't admit nothing that just bounced right off me I got nothing you know yeah. mm-hmm. to just be honest in that moment yeah uh, uh, yeah I a lot of the same thing I feel like being on stage and people talking and saying things to, sub- to each other and, and it having some kind of emotional resonance to them like that it's important to them and even if somebody says something and it bounces off that other person then that just said something then like right. now we have mm-hmm. to deal with that moment yeah. yeah, because I just told you this thing yeah. and you were just like yeah so you know I, I'm ready to order and be like I just told you something like incredibly important yeah. and that's how you want to yeah. and it's it's weird sometimes like playing with uh, if you do a show with people that you don't know and because I have a tendency to I'll take things people say like people may be on stage and you don't know them and you're improvising and they just kind of throw something out and I take it very serious like I take it very very like hard like they might just be it might be a throwaway for them mm-hmm. but it's like oh no that's yeah. that's not a throwaway yeah. anymore. like that's that has like weight to it like yeah. we're gonna <clears throat> we're not moving on yeah because people will just throw they're just like no, I'm just gonna keep throwing pasta and see what sticks <laughs> I'm like no you threw that first thing that, yeah, that hit let's let's do that let's explore that until it changes into something else like until it transforms into to something else I was talking to somebody about this last night where you know, emotionally, you can take something up to. And I got this was from. Uh, I'm giving credit to the guy. It's like Tom Purcell, who was a really good, actually, really good improviser or uh, improv coach. And he's now, I think he's the head writer on uh, the Colbert Report, which is why he likes, like, why he stopped coaching. <laughs> but he, he's making some money. Man. Well, he was just saying, like, you take that emotional. You can only scream for so long, right? then it's going to transform into something else. Yeah. Like you can only be a certain way for a certain amount of time. And then it has to, it has to change. Yeah. You can't make, you know, baby cries for a while. Then it's finally like, okay, I, <laughs> I'm tired. Right, I'm just, I'm t- like, and that's it. So there's, there's going to be an emotional change. So why not see how far something can go and then see where it, See, like, take something as far as it'll go and see what happens when it, it transforms because it has to. Yeah, it has to. It has to transform. So, being real and dealing with with what would just happened. Yeah, being affected. Like my, yeah, just be. Yeah, being affected. That's the if you, to boil it down. It's like be affected. Yeah. Somebody says something, be affected by it. Is the is the big thing. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you. To um, stalling because I just lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> Never happens. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, there we are. Uh, so you do a duo. Yeah. You've done comedy sports, larger ensembles. Uh, have both of you have done? I'm guessing longer, lo- or bigger, long form ensembles yes. before, right? Yes. What would you say is the difference between, aside from numbers, doing a duo versus doing a larger ensemble team? You. You have to be more, I would say, even more present yeah. when you, it's two people versus you know, 
four or six or, or whatever. Like you definitely have to be more in that moment because uh, and, and definitely watching, definitely watching more. Because I feel like I, I know like my ADD will kick in when it's like six people yeah. sometimes and I'll just kind of fade mm-hmm. out and just be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. But like when it's one other person... It's not really an option. Mm. Yeah, you can't really, you can't sort of sit back on your haunches. You know, you have to. Be, yeah, like you have to be there. Like if it's yeah. if it's five people, you can be like, I am glad I'm not in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is some shit out there. But but it's you know when it's two people, you're like, I'm glad I'm. Oh, oh I am in the scene. scene yeah. <clears throat> How long have I been talking to myself? <laughs> like, I am not focused. Okay, here we go. Like, yeah, you have to you have to be there. So that's my that's yeah. I, I would say the, the same is. thing. I would think you, that you you have to be more present, and as a result, I think because of that, you can go further with things. You can do things um, that you might not be able to do with a large larger group. Mm-hmm. Um, that that moment of transformation that Tom was talking about, I think, is infinitely more possible when it's just two people. Um, not that that can't happen in larger groups, but because of that sense of presence, because of that sense of, like, it's just the two of us, you know, it's, uh, I, it's, it's interesting, when we first started doing it, I was a little terrified, because I hadn't done it, and now I prefer it to any other form, you know, I do another duo with somebody else, and in my mind, it's, it's almost preferable to just work with one other person. You know, even though I, I like doing larger ensembles, there's just it's more interesting. Uh, I think the work that comes out, and uh, because of that need to be absolutely, completely present on what's going on, and and trusting, you know, just yeah. trusting that you know we'll 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 discover it, you know, and if it wasn't meant to be discovered, then we won't. But you know, um, that you know, it's just really allowing yourself to be totally open and and. Uh, not get distracted not that that doesn't happen sometimes of course mm-hmm. it does but um, it's a lot easier with someone like him yeah so, <laughs> uh, so you're you're in a scene uh, could be with each other could be with somebody else and not going so well that, and it's just that happens yeah uh, so what do, what do you if you were the it's, it's a duo what do you do at that point huh of course, it's. I mean, of course, it depends on the specifics involved in the scene and all that. Yeah, but. I mean, I think there's lots of different things. The thing that I usually go to is uh, what Joe Bill always says: is the quickest way to get out of your head is to go to your heart and to just express how you feel in that moment. Yeah. Even if it's, and I tell my students the same thing: it's like if you feel frustrated, saying like, no, "I'm really frustrated," you know, or just you know, allowing yourself to to make that sort of uh, emotional revelation because it always raises the stakes. Yeah. You know, and to it always, I think, reconnects you to the person that you're with because mm-hmm. you're not going in your head going like, "What's going wrong? What can I do? Should I become more of a character?" But you know, to take it seriously, like Thomas was saying, to to raise the stakes and to try and figure out what's underneath all of the uh, yeah, um, or you know, hang in there and then edit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That scene's over. Yeah. It's good to have a variety of lengths. Yeah. I like that <laughs> saying a lot. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't heard that. Quickest way to get out of your head is to go to your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's like mm. I love those little boiled down sort of yeah. improv buzz phrases. Yeah, I think it's yeah, that's absolutely true. I also then like tell tell some horrible secret. <laughs> yeah, which is oh, I love that one like, too. Just tell like how would that, how would that go? Uh, just, like sometimes you just tell something from like just like divulge information that you may not have ever said. Sometimes I I usually like to do like something that's really true, like something that you've never told anybody. Anybody, you just okay. kind of throw it and just be like, "Well, there's this." <laughs> just to see, like it usually jump starts it. So I you think. mean like you're, there, there's a scene taking place and it's two guys in an office uh, just drinking coffee, talking about their weekends. Just, yeah, it could be like something like that, and just like, what, yeah, what, why? You know the thing of like, why is this day different than any other day? Right. Yeah. Like that's what movies are about. Is like, you want to see Joe Average either overcome something. I think somebody said that like movies are boiled down to two things. It's like. <laughs> Uh, Joe, Joe Bill, Ab- I think. Is it Joe Bill? <laughs> Overcoming, like, the stranger comes to town or this person overcomes the obstacle. Like, right. that's all there is. Like, that's... Those are movies. Those are movies. Yeah, that's it. So everything's boiled down. I still, like, really like that. 25 years. Yeah. It's just like, there's that or that. So sometimes just saying something and just... That's making that day different than any other, other day. It's like, yeah, you guys have come to the office for the past six years and you're always like this, this, and this, and being like... Da, 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 da. I was like, yeah, great. I, I don't love my wife, and I wish I wish I'd never had kids. That person has to, if it's a real, yeah. if it's a real scene. That person has to to deal with that. Right. Like, wow, we've never, you know, you think like I've never had the conversation like this with the person. And I like, think the reverse is true too. Is that you can take anything the other person says, and make that even, even as mundane as it is yeah. like you know I, I bought this coffee at Starbucks and then that can help you also reveal like yeah. oh you were at Starbucks you know and hope you didn't see oh, me in yeah, my that was the thing of, like the opinion right. <clears throat> like the opinions of like having it uh, like a, because like right when you said Starbucks it was like yeah it's like I, like I you know went to Starbucks today got a coffee and then like you having Oh, it was like a heightened opinion about that. Right. It's like mm-hmm. that person bought coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. They support yeah. corporate greed. Great. They are great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the two things of. It was an imp- I feel like it was something like that we did like a workshop that that we took a long time ago where the guy talked about. He's like, you're never at a loss. People will come into scenes and be like, I don't have anything. He's like, you can do the one simple thing of going, do you like? Or dislike that person. Right. Like that's have a point of view. That's it. Just that small thing. And be like, do you like or dislike them? And that can take you wherever. Yep. Yeah. Sort yeah. of off topic. But no, 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 it's fine. Um, I think again, though, it just all goes back to that that being affected discovery rather than just kind of standing and and talking, which annoys yeah. me so much about improv in any city I've been in. Yeah. It's just people coming out and. That's what we want to do. It's like people that are that are writers and they want to show. It's like yeah. you just you can do stand up. Yeah. It's totally fine. Like it's a great And that's the other thing too, having said that, because that's a big bugaboo of mine too. And that's another thing that I love about Thomas's improv, that he's so physically engaged in whatever space that we create, like and he will make discovery. It's like 
I'd watch him like for a while. I was like, I'm gonna try and improvise. I'm gonna try and get better. So I'm gonna try and improvise like Thomas does. And one one thing I notice is that he it's like he sees the whole thing immediately, whether he does or not. He gives the, off the impression that he knows that over here is a workstation that's got a little bobblehead mm-hmm. and there's a stapler and then there's, you know, there's a bunch of post-it notes that are one is fraying and and he's able to incorporate that so seamlessly into the the scene and what's going on. Uh, rather than, which to me is also a way to jumpstart things, rather than just being two talking heads of mm-hmm. like, oh, we're stagnating, you know, and then so figure out where you are and do something in it, and all of a sudden it can pre- present so many more options. It always bothers me when people are just, like, if it's two talking heads, that's fine. But yeah, people just not realizing they're in a space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much in his space yep. like that's not me being like I'm super impressive <coughs> uh, as far as like space work and stuff like that it's like uh, it's not even that it's, it's just people space. like you you're in a world right yeah. if you created a world you're you're in it like set set stuff up mm-hmm. and then if you do don't don't walk through it good <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it's weird I always wonder if that's like OCD-ish or whatever like I'm watching a scene and somebody they've set up this thing oh, and they're just like walking the table I'm just like oh my god oh. How do you not? You just sent an email through that. How did you walk <laughs> through it? I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Let it let it go. Let it go a little bit more. Don't let it. You have like you have a little journal where you write it down. I write down of every yeah, time I, I see people go. walk through their cars. <laughs> just, that's too much. There's a guy who just came out, Rich Tallarico, who did a, a workshop. Oh, uh, he called the you, you know Rich, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He talked about the secret weapon of improv, and I, I wasn't sure exactly what it was, so I was just like, but shall we go? Yeah, come on out. Uh, and it was object environment work, mm-hmm. um, and how much that can open things up for you. Sure. And as soon as you come out into a scene doing something, the odds of that scene starting off like this go out the window, because <coughs> yeah. you're doing something, and then you can discover things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of the guys he performs with is like a... It's really good space work. Jadico like? Yeah, it's Bob Dassey, who, yeah, he, he does space work, but that's like a big thing. Yeah. Uh, what? What are? I never asked this before, and maybe too broad. But what are some thoughts on character work in improv? A lot of times you see people playing themselves. A lot of times, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes more often than not, depending on the person. Um, do you two? What do you look at as character work? Well, I think character work is great. Uh, I think as long as it's once again based in sort of reality and an objective. If it's not just being a goofy character to be a goofy character, which happens on SNL, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Everybody really likes that character when they do this thing over and over again. Um, So the character becomes stagnant as opposed to being able to, you know actually be based in reality Um, I don't do a whole lot of outlandish like I'm probably one of the more people who plays more myself or close to myself Mm. especially in work like this Um, but I think the degree to which you are panicked about something or committed to something or invested in something that that's where it begins to veer off from yourself and that's where you can keep heightening and, and discover more about a character sometimes you just have it right away and there's some people who are brilliant at it. Yeah. Um, I think as long as it's, once again, invested in the connection, invested in, like, I want something from this other person, 
Uh, I'm not just being this character to get a laugh from the audience, that it's actually helping to further the scene or the moment or the story. Uh, that it's that it's awesome. If it's just a character for character's sake, it's got its place in time. Absolutely, there's like like Thomas. I love my goofy improv, but in uh, for for and I don't mean to say that in like a derogatory way. Um, I just uh, I'm also much more interested in seeing a character be affected and changed and and uh, in that moment, why are these two people together? How do they feed each other? How does responding in that moment inform? me more about my character yeah. as opposed to me just being like no this is who I am no the reaction I get from that person helps feed who I who I am mm-hmm. that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah character work like I'll do it that's fine but it's, it's it's kind of goes back to what I said before as long as it's it's grounded yeah like that person like you're really whatever like mm-hmm. you're you're a dwarf. Oh, that just sounded horrible because we <laughs> are dwarves. But I was talking like Middle Earth dwarves. Right. Which would still be a dwarf in this world. It's okay. Let's talk about uh, you're Can a I switch dwarf. that to I'm a dinosaur person. But I'm a dinosaur person with with dinosaur person problems. Right. Is is Yeah, that's that I like. That I like a lot. Like when you see stuff where you're like, oh, okay, these... Like, right now, what popped in my head is I thought of... I sort of thought of Princess Bride. And I thought of Billy Crystal and the other... Carol Kane. Yeah, yeah Carol when, they're, Kane, when they're playing that couple. Like, mm-hmm. And they're like these like old, grotesque people, but they have a relationship that's mm-hmm. so grounded in being like, wow, it doesn't matter what. Like, you have the naggy wife or whatever. You have these sort of curmudgeon people that have to, to deal with each other. Right. It's, that's great. It doesn't matter. Like, you could have put them even more outlandish outfits. People are going to relate to that because they're like, that's how, yeah. that's the relationship I have with my apartment. That's like, oh my God, those are my grandparents. Right. Like, it, does, it doesn't matter. Like, The Incredibles, you watch that movie and the, the way they interact, like, it doesn't matter that they're these superpowers. They still they have a connection to it. Like, they're, yeah, they're people. Yeah. They have, you know, fears and, likes and dislikes and all that that's always going to be better yeah so the relationship uh, also super important yeah yeah I mean you still have strangers strangers like people were always like don't be strangers in improv and I was like no it's like it's not don't be strangers it's like don't not have a relationship right like have a relationship even as strangers even as strangers like you meet if it's a waiter or, or whatever it is, like just have a relationship with them. Yeah. Have an opinion about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is getting uh, quite a bit off. I think it's going to be like, this is getting very boring. This, this is horrible. So this is the we worst need interview to I've ever had. Wrap this up. You need to be. I can't keep my eyes open. Go. Be characters. Uh, actually, no, I actually have more on improv. I was about to get off of that. I want to get back on. Uh, and that is. Oh, I just threw myself off. Uh, oh, yeah. Comedy sports. Yes. You've been around comedy sports for a long time. <laughs> yes, uh, good lord. Both of you have. Um, what is your history with comedy sports? Um, I auditioned in the summer of 92. Uh, I got in that summer, and that was the sort of second incarnation of comedy sports. Uh, right. Somebody from Washington came up, 
put these guys together, and then I was like, I'm going to leave. If you guys want to continue it, go ahead. And that's when Mike Young, Bobby Block, Kevin Doherty, and Jim Carpenter, who I'm fairly familiar with because he's my husband, uh, auditioned these new folks. Uh, and in that incoming class of 16 was Megan Hollinger, um, uh, Jen Childs, uh, you know, all people who were fairly prominent and throughout the years have been going through lots of... of uh, of theater folk have gone in and out of comedy sports. So I've been there since that group, that class. Um, throughout my time with comedy sports, I've been a player. I've been teaching with them for probably 18 of those 20 years. I've been education director. I've been remote coordinator, which means I book outside shows. Mm-hmm. I was artistic director twice. Um, I met my husband there, and now we have two kids. And... Uh, um, it's not as funny at home as it is at stage. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the improv helps. Sure. Um, and now we're, we're breeding kids who like it, which is dangerous. Um, but that's, that's it. I mean, I've, I've been playing with them now for about 20 years. I think it's, it's this great, lovely, uh, creative family with its, uh, with its dysfunctions, which are never so horrible that it... It breaks anything up, yeah. just like any improv group. Yeah. But with its incredible support, um, you know, the I think it has created opportunities for me that I would never have done normally. I probably never would have explored improv to this extent, which to me now is like improv can save the world in so many ways. It's applicable yeah. in so many different things. And each time I teach a class, no matter if it's for five-year-olds or six-year-olds or corporate types or people who want to learn improv or people who are forced in that situation or whatever, <laughs> is I'm always amazed at how applicable it is to different things. And um, it's made me a better actor. It's made me a better writer. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been a, a very influential part of my life. Okay. Uh, and I don't want this to turn into a long form versus short form sort of thing. But both of you have done both, do both. Um, what do you what do you see as the uh, any advantages over the other? How they kind of go together well? Anything like that? My my general uh, approach to that is: if you're a good improviser, you can do both. If you know how to do a scene and relate to somebody and open yourself to the possibilities of discovery uh, that you can that, that both uh, have their joys and their shortcomings there's times when I do long form that I'm like oh this is driving me crazy and I'll you know, do short form and I'll be like this is awesome and then other times I'll do short form and be like oh I miss this, I miss being able to have a, a ten minute scene yeah. um, so I think as an improviser you get fed by you can be fed by both absolutely and um but in my mind, if you are a really good improviser, you can do both. Mm-hmm. And you can do both well because the skills are the same in both. Just kind of knowing what the not parameters, that's the wrong word, knowing what the what is. Well, you know, knowing what the differences are yeah. between the two. The parameters. <laughs> that's a horrible word. Horrible word. I like that word. Yeah, short form, long form. If you know how to do improv, it's fine. They're, they're different things. They're just they're, they're different in uh, I don't know part of it, like the people that watch like I I haven't seen short form in a, in a while and I went to comedy sports last night 
had watched the second half, and I was I was laughing. Um, and it was yeah, and it was it was short form. Mm-hmm. I, it was weird. I was laughing more at the short form than I have I feel lately than I have at long form. Um, in some ways too and this is general, generalizing too to me it's the difference between watching a Mel Brooks movie and watching a James L. Brooks movie yeah. you know the difference between Young Frankenstein and Broadcast News yeah. they're both funny in completely different ways yeah. Yeah. do you try to be funny in, uh, in a short form show? Uh, I, we were talking like an improv uh, long form improv you're generally I not I, I did, like, I remember doing, because I, I went and did a comedy sports show. Like, sometimes I'll come back, I'll try to to do a comedy sports show. And uh, I take that same, like, yeah, I try to take that same approach of playing it a little more, like, be like can I be, can I play this and be grounded in, in, in this short form where someone's going to yell something out and, like, yeah. change, like, can I be grounded I in quick change? I think it depends. I can't, when somebody says to me, like, oh, you know, they find out, like everybody does, oh, you're an improviser, say something funny. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, when they say, you know, whenever I'm directed in a way that's sort of like, you know, well, we have to be funny in this game, or this game shows how funny we are. I am the least funny person. I can't be funny, you know. So for me, I have to, and that's just my approach. Some people can do both very well, can be like, oh, boo, perfect little non sequitur thing, and here we go. Yeah. And I, I'm not that type of improviser. So for me, I have to approach it the same way as I do anything. Like if I'm playing Dr. Know-it-all, I have to approach it from the sense of like, I love knowing everything about this topic. I can't wait to tell you everything about this topic, <laughs> yeah. you know. And that's how I can, you know, heighten that and, and, and be there. And if something funny comes out, great. But I can never go out with the purpose of trying to be funny. I just want to give the audience a good time. Yeah, that's why I like my favorite. What's it? What's the game that you play, we played where it's uh, you're not supposed to laugh? Oh yeah, um, laugh out. Laugh out. So it's a game laugh out where you you get a, a more serious subject from the audience, and what happens is is that it's during a the head game, to head game, it's a so head to head. Like two teams are playing against each other. And you're doing a scene. The scene will say it takes place at a funeral. So you try to do a, a serious, you do a scene. And if the audience laughs, you that person that was in is, is out and then a new person comes in. Yeah. And I love it for, for two reasons. Because I love being like, you know, people going and you're being very serious and you're saying something serious and then it's just a laugh. Right. Because that's also part of life. Like people, you know, there's yeah. people that Laughs are in like super, super tense situations and they just, like, I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Yeah. But my... But truly, my favorite part of it is that when people go and try to be funny, Ugh. and it's just the most. The oh, I love it because then they are just like rub it up, up, up. No laugh. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't have. Yeah. I should have just been serious. And there's just something about that where people tr- like force it and try mm-hmm. to do it, yeah. and when they do, and it doesn't work. And the great thing about that game is it's just all about heightening. It's all about being affected, because sometimes people will play that game and like, oh, we're serious, yeah, we're serious, yeah. and it's monotone, as opposed to like, in that situation, in a funeral situation, you probably are going to be, say something stupid or awkward, or you know, and, and it's going to make somebody cry, or you know, but it's allowing that heightening process to be affected and changed, and that's... Yeah, like kind a, of a perfect marriage between short yes. form and long form. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. The uh, there's a teacher I had in Chicago who would say there's only one way to top being funny, and that's be funnier. And good luck. 
Uh, and that's so what you, what you were saying um, <laughs> fits fits in like in, in any kind of show or, or any kind of improv show don't go for the joke because I mean the, when it works it works but when it doesn't work it's terrible I feel like that you don't really have to go for the jokes in a way jokes are kind of built into a lot of the, the game gimmicks yeah like the gimmicks of it are already the joke like yeah. you're going to get your laugh because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm always, see what else you can like. I'm always telling my students use the gimmick of the game as a way to heighten what's already going on in the scene. So if you're playing a game, if you're playing forward reverse and you're going backwards and forwards all the time, use that as a way to heighten or discover something about your character as opposed to just sort of trying to like I'm going to do a cartwheel because it will be funny. Um, you know. Yeah. And it's to any gimmick game, any game like that can if if you invest in the reality of it and allow the um, construct of it to heighten the reality you you create, then it'll work. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, use the word heighten a lot. Uh, heighten's one of those improv words that's uh, used a whole lot. How would you really define define that? I think Thomas defined it perfectly earlier as seeing how far you can take something until oh, yeah. it transforms. Okay. And becomes something new. Yeah. I did say that. <laughs> I, right. I was like, oh, Lord, I am not bad at this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's it. How, how far can it go? How, uh, you know, how in love can you be with somebody? Like, pushing that and like in, in all its forms. It's mm-hmm. like, so maybe, maybe it should be called tactics. Like, what, what is the way I can get this? Like, you're, you're talking to somebody who's just not hearing you. It's like, what are the different ways I can present them with these? Like, how do I get through to this person? Right. It's almost like being a, a parent, in a way. Yeah. Like, you're like, no. Well, no, because, like, you, you try to, you know, I, I'll, I'll plead with you. I'll be stern with you. Right. I'll be cross. I'll be indifferent. I'll be whatever. But you're trying all these things until you get... And the degree to which you are successful uh, creates that emotional connection or that emotional Mm. heightening. Is like, oh, I feel wrong. Yeah, I'm more desperate now. I will, I will sew for you. I will, you know, whatever. I will, you know, crawl on the floor for you. Yeah, it's like whatever. What in whatever scene you're doing of like until you get what you want. Yeah, what do you want? Do you want? You want something? Everybody wants something. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Who who doesn't? (laughs) <laughs> no, but it's like, who doesn't want it's something? True. Like all the time, people, you know, are like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm giving this away for free. Like I'm just giving it away. Like right, but the, you want something. Right. You want adoration or, or accolades, or you want people to be like that person doesn't want anything. They're like, right. it's like, mm, but you still want them to want. Yeah. There's yeah. a. a I'm about to talk about something I have no business talking about. Uh, there's a philosopher, um, I think it was Kant, maybe. Okay. Let's say it is. Kant, uh, sure. who talks about even people who are selfless, who help someone do something nice, they, they, get, they get that, they get that joy. So they're not really truly being selfless. Right. Because they get that joy out they of They did that in a Friends episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it? Was it really? It was. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's just whatever. You're doing it. You'll do something like, hey, here's some food for you. Right. Well, I just got a couple karma points. Right. 
That's fine. You're like, I just did good in the universe. Right. Yeah. And maybe it'll pay me back. Yeah. Maybe it won't, but I'm, I'm really hoping that it, it will. Right. I, I did do something really nice. Right. <laughs> and I That's got to count somewhere. Yeah. You do. You think that. Like, because I think that same person that does all of these great things, like, say something terrible happens to them. And they're, like, they do all these nice things. They're like, I just do it to do it. Right. Say something terrible happens. They're like, all that great stuff I it's did, just, yeah. it didn't matter, right? Right. Like, this still happens. It's true. Like, true true colors come out when, when the pain Prices. happens. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. Uh, back to short form. Short form seems to do uh, much better. Uh, like, I, I know being, I haven't done short form. I grew up uh, kind of watching Whose Line Is It Anyway on uh, Comedy Central when they were played over and over. I was lucky enough to interview Craig Proops uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, which was awesome, uh, and the idea—I mean, I keep—I keep talking to myself about taking classes because I, I kind of fear it. Um, that that need to for me to try and be funny, but talking to you two about this is uh, pretty great and will likely lead to me doing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it seems to do better commercially. Like when I'm doing the improv uh, long form, and people say, "Oh, what do you do?" It's I can't really say it's like whose line is it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's much maybe it's whose line is any anyway that helped improv get a foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. Um, would you agree with that? Disagree? Yeah. It's more accessible. Like short form is is absolutely more accessible to to people. Like it's easier to watch a short form show and get what's going on. It appeals to a wider yeah. audience, I think. And then also too, like when whose line is it anyway was on or things like that, people. People don't know that they tape for they taped four hours and they yeah. taped all this material and then just squished over made it look like oh wow these guys just got up and then did it yeah, half, yeah. they bam they they knocked out this amazing show yeah uh, so yeah it's weird short short form is is easily accessible for people long form is not but it's also done so poorly so much that anytime someone has an experience with it they they just are yeah. like why would I sit through that again because it's not <laughs> like at least with short form there's a change of scene like there's every, like you like you're changing minutes. games yeah. like in long form I can remember I, the, when I first went when I first saw my first long form show at UCB mm-hmm. I was like wow so I was like, I was like this is great I like this is what I want to do I want to do longer stuff and then I had met somebody there that was like oh you should come see I'm doing a long form show, and I was like, at this point, I, uh, yeah, of course yeah. I'll go see it. Right. Oh, Why wouldn't I? This is, yeah. I just saw that. That was amazing. And I took a, uh, a friend of mine, and her and I went to see it, and it was just painful. <laughs> like, it was just, I was like, oh my God, oh, I can't believe that we have to sit here for, for 40 minutes, well, however long it was. Yeah. And I was, you know, I'm surprised it didn't just turn me off to improv altogether. Yeah. But, I think long form is it's harder to to grasp sometimes mm-hmm. because people aren't it's it's easier to grasp if people are doing having a human connection because anybody knows that. Right. Anybody can relate to that. But when you get people on stage that are just like, I'm talking, I'm the cleverest man in the room. Right. Uh, let's see, let's see some fancy decanter, that's fancy. Uh, let's see. Like when you're just saying stuff to show show off. Yeah, to yeah. show up to be like, I just read a I read a, a book last night that had a bunch of stuff in it, so I'm just gonna 
throw that out yeah. and just show you guys how smart I am. Yeah. And the audience and is I, like, yeah, well, I don't like you, and I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I think it's interesting because, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to sound so geeky right now, and I don't, I'm going to sound like that person that you were just talking about, but I don't mean to. Um, is that when improv started out before Second City, it was the Compass players who weren't doing short form. They were doing much more of a long form mm-hmm. thing, guideposted scenes that, yeah. you know, sort of, there were definite things that they would hit, and sometimes lines would keep coming back, and they kept doing the same scenes over and over again. But they were, they were. It was much more of a long form thing, and it was the rage. It was brand new. Everything. Oh my gosh! And um, and now it's sort of, and it led to, I believe, more short form. And now it's sort of changed in that short form is the much more accessible, and long form is. I still think we're still in the process of. Uh, you know, getting people more exposed to it, and like you said, because there is the the range of quality is so unpredictable, um, it's easy to get turned off and be like, "Well, yeah. if that's long form, I'm never going." As opposed to like, "Well, there's so many different types of long form," and and uh, I find it interesting. I was just thinking about this on the way in. Uh, I was going to apply for an individual grant from a a local grant place, and the one thing they say is like, "Well, it can't be improv." Because bogus. we can't see, yeah, it's not that it's bogus, it's their their opinion is, even though uh, you might have a specific vision of what you want to do, the content is created by an ensemble, so how can we know it's your vision? Yeah, um, okay. And uh, I understand that to a certain point, but part of me is like, no, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're holding it back from being what it can be and how it can be more accessible. Yeah. Uh, that sense of, of bringing it to a wider audience so people can sort of see like, oh, this is as theatrical, as interesting as, you know, something that's been scripted and workshopped because this has been rehearsed and workshopped and played with and, you know, and the ensemble is tight and, and, and responding. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, a definite, you know, it's, 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 it's time. It's people getting, getting used to it and being able to do it and see it. So, do you guys have a key? All right. Uh, we were talking about the accessibility, right, of short form. Short form of um, we had to take a quick break. Uh, question I had was if someone were to ask you, as a long form improviser, what you do, how do you describe it? Because, like I said, it's not necessarily whose line is it anyway type improv. It's uh-huh. not. Saturday Night Live. Right. Yeah. I usually just say, it's like, uh, I, we do long scenes. <laughs> <laughs> we do long scenes. Uh, there's like improvised, an improvised scene based off, like I was telling somebody last night, an improvised scene based off of just one suggestion and we do, it takes it to a lot of different places, but yeah, that's, that's it. Um, I usually tell them it's more scenic in nature. Uh, I don't get that question a lot. I get more um, people know I improvise, and so I'll put up a show and they go, "What is this show?" And I'll kind of describe the show to them. And mm-hmm. so, <coughs> some of the long form I've done has been more narrative and, and structure, so it's easier to say like, "Oh, well, I'm doing an improvised Hitchcock." Yeah, you know, which is great. <laughs> really um, and uh, but yeah, I used to just say, "Well, it's it's more scenic in nature," and I sometimes. If I have the clarity of thought, use that parallel between Mel Brooks and James Brooks. Okay. Um, but just sort of saying, yeah, it's it's longer based. It's variety of scenes. Um, 
sometimes you revisit characters and stories, sometimes you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You mentioned the improvised Hitchcock stage fright. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, I saw, I think, two, maybe three of them. Uh Uh, Real good and real fun. Uh How is it improvising under those parameters? Uh, Some sort of... um, filter fascinating and i love the puzzle of it the director in me comes out and i I didn't direct it but the just that side of me comes out of of thinking like all right well how do we accomplish this how do we focus on the story without over plotting without making it so like crowbarring things in and it's hard you know because you also have a much larger ensemble of people and one thing that for me and i was talking about it with my husband the other night because we were talking about it in reference to something else, is when you're doing a long narrative like that, I found like whenever I was one of the lead characters, it's really hard for me to plot things because you have to respond in the moment. You have to have that want, that objective, that, you know, and talking about that like right away is like, what does the main character want? It can't just be sort of like, even Cary Grant in North by Northwest, he wants to get back to his normal life, yeah. even though all these weird things keep happening to him. So you can't just be buffeted around. You need to want something, and you need to want it strongly. And I think the other thing is, you know, the several, like the two to three people who are kind of main characters need to be able to respond in the moment, and it's all the supporting players who then can provide the movement of the plot, who can be backstage saying, like, okay, well... Uh, it seems like these two people need to have a confrontation or, you know, and it becomes clearer as you go along. But for me, it's that, you know, once again, starting out and just trusting and being open to the discoveries you're making so that you can have those moments of like, oh, I get it, you know, and, and when pe- several people have those at the same time, it's awesome. Um, but it feels like the main characters have to be able to be in the moment, getting trying to go for what they want and that the other people have to be providing situations for them to complicate that, to bring in obstacles and bring in potential solutions so that they mm-hmm. can have a narrative arc that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the the challenge for doing something that is is narrative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's true for not just for stage fright, for improvised fill in the blanks. Yeah. Is he you're doing a uh, uh-huh. two two seven? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Nice quick. Thank you. Yeah, so improvised two two seven. And what's funny yeah, that's funny. I I really I thought about this recently where I think part of what makes that because that's a show that was on long time ago. Long a long yeah. time ago, like late eighties, early 70s. early nineties. No, no, it was Oh, I'm thinking of a different one. Yeah, yeah like two. Oh, I'm thinking of room two twenty two. That's quite yeah. <laughs> before. But it's, Late eighties, early nineties, and like the people that have watched the show, because there's like eighties references in there. When people who watch the show will go, yeah. may not know right. those eighties references because yeah. they're like, I was born then. Yeah, <laughs> I was just born last yeah. week. <laughs> but what I think will make makes it makes it work, or what's made it work, is they may not know. References, but shows will know. People know TV. People know so much more now than they did before. People are much mm-hmm. more clever and savvy, and people understand situations. Like people understand in TV, where you have the mistaken identity show, yeah, right. or the because they've just played that so many times. They've they've done that, or the. Uh, Mr. Roper, I heard what I thought I heard this, but yeah. you meant that right. show. But those are all things where people eat that are universal. Right. It doesn't yeah. matter what TV, like if you watch TV shows in the 70s or you watch TV shows in the 80s or the 90s, 
those those particular themes always happen. So in the show that we're doing, that's what I think people are drawn to is seeing the improv happen within those things. They're like, oh, this is the miss, yeah. this is the I misheard misunderstanding, yeah. or that person is not that person right. seen. And then in a way, like trying to, how do you twist that? How do you make that a little bit, a little bit different? Um, but yeah, I think it's hard. like, yeah, those shows are, those are tough. Those are, are tough to, to be super. It's hard to not just be in your head the whole time. Yeah, you know? be super grounded in a in a show like that is yeah. is a lot tougher. Yeah. Because And it takes I think I think it takes a lot more trust in the universe. <laughs> you know? <laughs> of just thinking like we will find an ending if we allow ourselves to find an ending. Yeah. And I think a lot of times in those situations what happens is people push really hard because they're afraid it's not going to make sense. And the audience, from the moment you walk on, are answering all the questions. You know, they, they, they've figured it all out. They're plotting in their heads. And mm-hmm. sometimes twists and turns happen that surprise them. But they're immediately, our brains are automatically going to try and form order out of chaos. And the audience is already doing that. So I think it's having that trust to, once again, be patient to do those things. And also be patient in terms of not going for the obvious joke if it's something that it like especially in something like Hitchcock or whatever mm-hmm. is you know realizing like the the payoff is going to be so much stronger if you are you know allow the characters to be invested and don't sell them down the river for because you're afraid the audience isn't having a good time because you don't yeah. know you have no yeah. idea if they're sitting there like this or if you have a group full of people who are quiet laughers or if it's that night it's not supposed to be hilarious mm-hmm. it's supposed to be gripping or whatever that's you know like that's a the idea of the audience knowing, like, making their decisions. I don't know, have you seen the movie Havoc? It was like, it was a movie about, I think it was called Havoc. Haywire. Haywire. Oh, Haywire. Haywire. I've, seen I've seen some of Haywire. So <coughs> I saw Haywire, and you're watching it, and you go, oh, okay, interesting movie. And the problem was, this is what made me go, yes, the audiences now are, are too smart, because you watch the movie, and you figure out pretty much the giddy-up, like, what's going to happen. You're like, okay, this is the old, I'm a spy... Yeah. Uh, someone yeah. did me dirty now they're trying to get rid of me and now I have to go find my boss right. yeah. and you just go okay great so whoever's closest to you is the one who betrayed you probably right <laughs> Right. okay great <clears throat> end of the movie you're like of course that's who it's, that's how it is and yeah. I feel like most people in audiences know, who, know that's happening mm-hmm. but this movie takes so long to get to that to get to the to the obvious yeah. and then doesn't really do anything different it's just like oh we just took all this time to get to here which you knew was going to happen right and conclusion thank you so much for spending your money where whereas you could have taken that or just sped that whole process up mm-hmm. and then see what yeah, happens that doubt with it yeah after yeah, that yeah like speed up speed up being like start at it's like start a movie at the point where they've they're exactly now their they, revenge. yeah we're like they've got that then what happens mm-hmm. like why people people know people know people know yeah they just watch stuff and they go this this and this right exactly so why did you take so long to get right. to that yeah we know yeah. we know okay yeah. a few more questions uh to touch on what you mentioned a minute ago about you don't know what the audiences are thinking, what's going on, uh, they're being quiet. What about in scenes where you're being quiet, the, the silences? Oh, I love that. 
in improv. Uh, there was a question posted on the Facebook thing, uh, Facebook post that I put about about this from uh, Kevin Pettit. Uh, to paraphrase, he said that he loves your he loves your silences. He loves your patience. Uh, what do you do, or what are you thinking in those those moments, and how do you choose the economy of words? Don't pre-choose anything. It just sort of mm. happens in the moment. Isn't it like life? Don't like when you talk to somebody or you have an argument or whatever. Is there points where you're just you stop? Mm-hmm. Will you take a second or it just happens? Like it, that's it's, just it, part of. It's being for me. It's being so invested in what's going on here that I'm not. I'm not worried about the audience because I'm focusing on the thing the audience wants me to focus on. The audience doesn't want me to focus on their reaction constantly. They don't want me to feel like, oh, are they liking me? Are they liking this? Because then it comes across as panic in my mind. If you're like constantly like, oh, I gotta, are they interested? I gotta keep moving. I gotta keep. I'll keep talking. If I keep talking, something interesting is gonna come out, and and then they'll they'll be happy and and they'll like me. And and to me, that comes across. When I watch it, I'm, I, I am then concerned for the person on stage. I'm like, wow, take a breath, slow down. I, it's cool. You know, and, uh, but if, if I'm doing my job, which is completely investing in, in what's here, um, you could have, I mean, some of my favorite scenes are scenes where there's no words, you know, and that the communication is complete and, and absolutely the audience knows everything that's going on because the person you're with that you're so in tune with you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing you're just not using words and it's not like the volume's turned down it's just being able to explore and heighten and, and build all of that having those high stakes and you know you're just not talking is that Del Close I think this is a quote by him probably Joe Bill <laughs> I think it's Joe Bill he's the new Del Close sure uh, but Del Close said like what, what would you rather have what what do you want? Do you want the laugh or do you want the roar? Which which is yeah. which is more important to you? And like I remember the first time I heard that I was like, I'd rather have the roar. What do you remember from a show? What's what thing stays with you that you you still talk about like after right. you know like years after? Be like remember that one scene that we saw on that show where that when this happened? And I think a lot of times that's because they didn't worry about that laugh they were like the roar will, will happen mm-hmm. and I think when you you take those moments to and you're just quiet on stage or whatever that's okay because the the payoff or whatever is going to happen later will be will be worth it or or not yeah. I mean it may not be worth it but at that point but it's for me at least it's never predetermined it's like what Thomas says is it's that happens in life when you mm-hmm. have conversations that you Either what you say is too scary that you want to say, or it's you don't know what to say in that moment, or you've been so bowled over by why that by what they said, or there's something yeah. that it's like. I don't, That's I don't the thing. Know. Something's still going on, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Something's still going. On. You're you're looking like an yeah. audience is looking at that person, being like, "Wow, they are that hurt. They were right. affected. It's yeah. like they that that yeah. hurt them really badly. Yeah. Or they're so mad that they have to. Yeah. Like I have to walk away from you for a second and and, and gather myself. So it's never. It's never like to be white, but like, hey, I. <laughs> yeah, but even then, it's like, did he have a stroke? Like, what just happened? Like, why did he just? He's been a robot this entire time, and you never. But that's, yeah. There's usually there's something behind it. It's never just yeah. silence for the sake of silence. Never, people get very scared. It's never blanking. It's just yeah. because that happens. I think new improvisers get terrified of being, oh, yeah. of being silent. 
I've just had being quiet. Yeah. They were just talking about like there's some article I was reading about the whole Louis C.K. and with his like they call it quiet comedy, mm-hmm. where there's certain things where you're not laughing. It's it is really funny, but you're not laughing out loud because there was an interview that he did where someone was like, "What's your your favorite comedies?" Or whatever, like, what's your favorite like comic comic moments? And he's like, most of them are aren't comedies. He's like, it's from serious movies. Yeah. He's like, it's these serious moments where there's something happens that yeah. that you find funny, but it's not comedy. Right. And I was like, yeah, I, I totally feel like that. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this changes the subject. Goes back to something you mentioned. A while back now. A few months ago. Uh, yeah, about an hour ago. Okay. Uh, and that is uh, that improv is generally a white male oh, yeah. sport kind of thing. Um, why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I, I That's something I've always seen in, in improv. Like, like, I don't see, like, I don't really see a lot of, of, of black people doing improv. Uh not a lot of other races doing improv and yeah not a lot of I mean I think now definitely more women than before but it's like anything it's like why do why is it like all white men like run major corporations it's like, it's like because we want to and we can't that's, that's why um, but also I think it, it could be exposure it could be exposure to yeah. to it like um, I mean, I didn't really know about improv. I, I grew up in in Virginia, and I didn't really see improv. I think now it's more accessible because with the internet and everything, people can, can right. kind of watch it. But also watching improv on video could probably turn you <laughs> off to yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if it necessarily translates. But, yeah, it's one of those things where you, you're kind of drawn to the people that you know. And, like, these guys all get together and form these these groups and it's a good question I wish I had an answer to like there's that's just kind of how it's been they the exposure that white guys I guess are exposed to it more than uh, than other than other people or they just live in all white areas <laughs> <laughs> and there's just like there's a lot of black and Asian improv that's just not popular <laughs> it's just not popular <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, two more quick questions. Well, the questions will be asked quickly. Uh, and that is, just mentioned that improv doesn't necessarily translate well to tape, to uh, uh, recording. No. Why do you think that is? It's a live medium. It like is. It's like seeing it and, and seeing it kind of created. I think once you see something on tape... Unless it's like it's, a person. There's not that live connection. To me, there's yeah. such a connection between the audience and the improviser. Even if you only get one suggestion, the audience is already invested. Like, oh, where are we going to go with this? And it's, uh, you know, or you even just say, like, all right, we're going to take that and we're going to improvise for 45 minutes. There's a sense, no matter what, I think there's always an expectation in improv audiences, like, they're never going to pull this off. 
Yeah, the back of the mood. You know, and if it's taped, you know they pulled it off because it was taped and it must have been good enough for them to put on YouTube or, yeah. you know, attach their Facebook page. Otherwise, why would it be like, there? That's not true either. <laughs> I know, no, I know. <laughs> but in their mind. In their mind. Um, did say that. You know, but it, the thing to me that is so glorious about improv is it is, it's in that one moment of, of, of uh, exchange, of, of, of discovery that's sort of everybody shares whether you're in the audience or on the stage, that makes everybody go like, <gasps> you know, whether it's a laugh, whether it's an aha moment, whether it's the roar, whether it's whatever it is, that, and the, it, it can never be recreated again. Even if you taped it and wrote it all down and rehearsed it and did it, that moment of discovery is unique. Yeah. You can and, take that idea, an idea from that and turn it into something else. Absolutely. But not, yeah, who would want to write an improv <coughs> and then like do it? My friend and I were talking about something similar, and I think improv is made for for live theater because yeah. we were talking about the play uh, God of Carnage. Mm-hmm. So God of Carnage saw that at the, in the theater, like at a the play version of the theater, and was like, "This is amazing." And then he had seen the play and then saw the movie version, mm-hmm. and it was like. I think it was just called Savages. It's called Carnage. Is it called Carnage? Oh, Carnage. I think so, yeah. Savages is a totally different movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's called Carnage, and he said it just didn't, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. just didn't translate. And it, made, it kind of made sense to me. I was like, yeah, because you, you see it in this play version, part of you goes, there's a, a reason to... Uh, that suspension of disbelief a little bit of being like, you know what, yeah, these people would stay in this one room and have this conversation and kind of get to this point here right. that makes that makes sort of makes sense to me because it's it's a play and it was written for the stage when you cut to you see carnage in the in the movies and it just doesn't work because you're like why don't they leave just leave yeah just leave it's fine no one's going to be mad about you, you know, yeah. mad about this like just just go it doesn't it's specific to that that play part i mean there's other things that have, have been translated to movies that do work great mm-hmm. but that particular thing is great for the stage improv i think is great for the stage how many great improvised movies are there really and people are like hey we're gonna just do this improvised movie and be like well great you're gonna make eleven dollars yeah, <laughs> and it's also gonna be edited yeah you're gonna, you're gonna edit, edit like so it's not. it's not really improvised you really want to do an improvised movie Tape something for an hour, like just an hour, and like tape, tape whatever that is, and that's your improvised movie. Don't right. edit it. Don't do anything. Like anything that happens, you have to deal with. Right. You're doing this movie. Someone walks up and is like, "Hey, what are you guys doing with that camera?" Well, I guess now you got to kind of talk about that because that's a yeah. real like that's that's really right. happening. But even then, you're like, how entertaining is that going to yeah. going to be? If somebody pulled it off, I, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not for 11 bucks. Not for $11. No, you got those commercials uh, oh, boy. going. Yeah. Uh, which ones have you done? Uh, I've, done a, I've done a few. You've done the farm, was it Farmers? I did the Farmers. Farmers, and the, yeah. there was a car one. What, what was that? That was a Chevy. Car. Chevy. Yeah. You were a couple yeah. Target ones. Oh, you did yeah, Target I've, done, I've done, yeah, I've done commercials. Is there anything that hasn't aired yet? Uh, oh, I love. I'm actually going to promote something. This is great. This, yeah. is, this is not my, my usual thing. Is there's a there's actually a web series called uh, called Book Club. It's awesome. It's called the Book Club, which is uh, about a group of guys that get together to 
to read these books, and then these books have a they get more involved in the books than than normal, and it's a it's actually really fun, and it's sort of a series. It's on it's on Yam Yam F. Uh, oh, what was that? It's called the Yam Yam F. It's like you offend me, you offend my family. It's a uh, <laughs> okay. it's a network, uh, a YouTube uh, network. Okay, and uh, I'll even drop you know I'll even drop celebrity people in it. So yeah. like Danny Pudi is in it from Community. From Community, yeah. And he's one of the, he's one of the members of it. And then another guy, uh, Parvesh, who was on the show Outsourced, is yeah. in it. And then we have a lot of. Uh, there's like guests like there's a lot of people that that show up that are really really good okay how That's often a, is this done? Uh, it was done uh, I don't remember episodes the first one's shown. out the first one's out okay the first one's out it's on YouTube and on uh, Yam Yam F yeah Yam Yam F or if you put I think if it's the guy I think it's the book club yeah the book okay. club so the book club and then if you also go uh, I think it comes out Wednesdays like okay every other Wednesday so we have one coming out this Wednesday Yay. Which I think is called Enemy. It's a it's a two parter. Oh. It's like Enemy of the State. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's the that's the book that we're reading. The, the novelization of the movie. You nice. have to, I was like, this, you have to see. <laughs> but it's really it's actually it's a, it's really fun. It's a it's a good time. Okay. It's really fun. Uh, one last question. Okay. Uh, this is more Philly centered. Uh, just in the three years, I just hit three years that I've been back in Philly, uh, I've seen the improv and improvisers grow so much. Uh, the community, as far as size, has just exploded in my eyes. Um, is there anything you think we can do in Philly to make the uh, commu- comedy community grow uh, more naturally, more uh, grow better? <laughs> grow in what way? Uh, in any way. Uh, really, um, think, uh, in in size, in cooperation, in uh, quality. In I think it's quality. Quality, it's, I think, is a key to yeah to all of it. Like you, you do something like I think about using. I'll use UCB and ASCAT for example. Um, me living in Philadelphia, that I was hearing about a show, an improvised show that was so good that I needed. I needed to go to New York. Yeah, I needed to jump on a train to go see it. Like that, like how how rare is that? Yeah. Like to to create something that it's so good that people from other people are like, oh, no, I'll try. I'll I'll go two hours. Yeah. yeah, I'll go two hours to go. I'll get on a bus. I'll get on a, 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 a bus to go to go see something. Yeah. Um. So and I think it's those those particular people found some like they found each other like they found people that they worked really well with, which I think is another big thing is like finding the most successful. Groups are are people that work really well together, even if there is like fighting or whatever. Right. It's still family. Like they work really well together. Like you you connect with this person, you respect this person. You're not worried about right uh, being on stage with them. Or yeah, you're like yeah, I trust them. It's it's fine. We we've got this. Um, so I think that's like a huge. Yeah, huge I think thing. I think quality. I think. Um, you know, and I think that goes hand in hand with uh, collaboration. Like, you know, you have a group and you're like, we, we, we want to be better. I think groups always need to try to um, be better. And that doesn't mean change. It just means, like, what is it that 
gets us to that point where we gel really well together, work really well together. You know, and if it is bringing a coach in, bringing a director in who is more experienced than you are, like bringing or, or who who you uh, whose work you respect or something that that can help you go to the next level and not just like a buddy. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think also. One of the key things, and I, I don't have a miracle answer for this, is finding audiences who are, and, and I think, you know, we do, but I think a lot of times our audiences are fellow improvisers yeah. as opposed to the That's public at large. Sure. You know, so how do you widen the audience so people, you know, so long form isn't inaccessible. So people are like, oh, we got we have a choice. We can go see this one or this one or this one. You know, so broadening your audience beyond your own sphere of influence, I think, is 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 very important as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you do that when you do bring up the quality of, of of what you're doing. And you know, we there's already some groups here that are awesome, amazing. Um, but then, how do we reach an audience that is not just marketed towards other improvisers? Yeah, like you got to get you have to get hold of those. Uh, temple, like uh, what's that? Pen. Pen Drexel. Drexel. It's like you get those students. people like wanting to 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 come see shows. Yeah. But even you know yeah. you're trying to link in with other theater companies as well. Mm-hmm. So you it's not just a college crowd, but it's a college. It can be a college crowd, and you know hitting the the um, you know late twenties, thirties, you know pe- people who want to go see something that's new and different, you right. know. So connecting with a theater company and saying, like, how do you, do you have any suggestions? How can we broaden our audience? Can we stuff our flyers in your pro, in your program? Can yeah. we, you know, do a, a show after your show, a half-hour set, it seems to go in with this. You know, whatever yeah. you can do to try and continually reach more audience so that it becomes, I think that's a way to, to definitely grow it, you yeah. know. And then and, going back to that quality, so... Yeah, I think well, they aren't yeah. turned off. Oh yeah, if they go, if you go see a show and you like it, yeah, again, improv can be like it's not always. You perfect. can be a great group and yeah, have an. I awesome have night. a shitty show, yeah. but like if it's overall, if your overall quality, if you're you're consistently doing good work, yeah, yeah, you may have a show where some people come and they they see it and it doesn't work out and you don't see those people again. But if you're doing good work all the time, you're building, you're building an audience of people that really enjoy your work that just aren't just fellow right. improvisers yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. well you have the book club book on club. Yam Yam F Yam Yam on F. YouTube uh, and it comes out there's a new one coming out this Wednesday you said uh, there's a new one coming out Wednesday okay yeah. you have some commercials people can see your face on they from time see, to time they can see my face <laughs> uh, and if you're in LA I guess there's the improvised 227 uh, yeah if that's running or I do uh I do Armando at I.O. Okay, I.O.S., great. Uh, Anything coming up, Mary? Uh, Dangerous Fools. Yeah. Well, I was going to hit the. I was going to hit this separately, see if there was anything, and then I was going to bring it together. Um, Right now, that's 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 my main gig. I did a uh, one woman show down in Washington this past summer, Uh, but uh, no plans to reproduce that as of yet until somebody comes and drops a big pile of cash in my in my lap. All right. Uh, well, yes, Dangerous Fools is at the Adrian in the Comedy Sports Theater, right? Yes. Uh, starts Monday the 17th and runs through Friday that date. Yeah, the 21st. first. <laughs> <laughs> like the 17th and the 18th are 7 o'clock shows, and then the rest of the shows are at 8.30. Okay. Yeah. And it's 15 bucks. Right. It's $15. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much for, for doing this. Thank uh, you. Thanks for having us.
Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Getting Close with Mike Marbach podcast. I would like to thank my guests, Mary Carpenter and Thomas Fowler of Dangerous Fools. Uh, they had a lot of really great things to say about uh, improv in general. I really, really enjoyed the stuff that they had to say about uh, being committed to whatever's happening, letting things be from a natural place and grounded and, and connected. Um, I think one of the things that we said kind of boiled it down to, to two words, and that's be affected. Be affected in scenes. Don't just stand there and be a board that everything keeps bouncing off of so you can get your funny idea out there. Be affected by what someone says. Be affected by something that happens in a scene. Be real. Be grounded. Uh, go see them because you'll be able to see that sort of stuff in action. It's, um, it's hard work, but they make it look very, very easy. Check them out at the Comedy Sports Theater at 2030 Sansom. Uh, Monday through Friday of this week. That's the 17th through the 21st. And uh, you can check out ComedySportsPhilly.com for any other information. Um, Yeah, go see their show and then be affected by them. Um, What else is happening? Oh, before I move on from that, thank you to Kevin Regan for hooking that interview up. Uh, he managed to uh, set that up, and I think it was awesome of him to do so. You can check out his webisodes, his web series called The Cheap Seats. Uh, I believe it's on YouTube. Search for it. Uh, if you're a friend of his on Facebook, uh, you should be, because he has a lot of funny status updates too. So check him out. Kevin Regan. All right. Uh, Asteroid has the B-movie coming up. That is an improvised B-movie in the style of the 60s, 50s, 70s sort of um, sci-fi horror, just in time for Halloween. Uh, It's pretty awesome. It's a lot of fun. And uh, that starts October 10th with a preview and then runs through October 27th at the Philly Improv Theater. Check out AsteroidImprov.com, MikeMarbach.com, or PhillyImprovTheater.com for information on that soon. Uh, I don't know who the guest on the next podcast is going to be, but as soon as I know, you'll know. Check out MikeMarbach.com for that. Check out MikeMarbach.com for pretty much everything. Uh, What else? Fringe is still going on, so go see shows. See improv. See sketch. See stand-up. See plays. See whatever you can. Soak it up, folks. This is a great time in in the city. And enjoy it. Thanks for listening. And thanks for getting close.